This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Gamola's Own Pet Pack, manufacturing gourmet food for your beloved pet, made from only the freshest kangaroo and wallaby. Pet Pack, when your pet demands the best. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And we're having yet another Australia week on Pod Cemetery with 1984's Razorback and 2009's The Loved Ones. This week's movies were suggested by Craig. Thank you very much, Craig. Uh, he actually wrote us back, and um, I'm curious to see what he thinks of this episode. Uh, in general, we have a number of Australian listeners uh, who have made other recommendations for Australian horror films, and big fan. I'm a big fan of Australia in general. Too bad your spiders are so big. <laughs> but I mean, like, a lot of my comedy comes from Australia. Like, maybe a third of the podcasts that I listen to are Australian. Big Auntie Donna fan. I don't know if all Australians are, but that kind of weird comedy. I'm watching uh, Hug the Sun, which is by another Australian comedy group uh, that's on YouTube right now. And so, yeah, big fan of all things Australia. When we went on our uh, honeymoon to Fiji, surrounded by nothing but New Zealanders and Australians. Mostly Australians. <laughs> lot of Australians. Yes, and that was great. Love the accent. Just absolutely love the accent. I think we uh, might have been, like, the only Americans. I think we were. I think we were. <laughs> Except for the people we flew in with. Yes, and then did we Wasn't ever... not so random? We flew in with these people, that, yeah. and we went on the same exact bus ride, and yes. then we went on the same exact boat ride, and then we stayed at the same exact hotel, and I think we saw them maybe once yeah. on the entire uh -huh. trip. Yep, mainly Australians mm -hmm. <laughs> and New Zealanders. But anyway, so yeah, Australia Week. Let's get started right away with our first movie, 1984's Razorback, directed by Russell Mulcahy. Written by Everett DeRoche, based on the novel by Peter Brennan, starring Gregory Harrison, Archie Whiteley, and Bill Kerr. Russell Mulcahy is, like, a giant in the music video industry, apparently. I'm, like, looking at his list of things he's directed, and prior to Razorback, it's, like, a butt-ton of music videos by, of course, ACDC or Akadaka, Duran Duran, Elton John. Duran Duran makes sense because there are two Duran Duran yes, songs in this movie. But Elton John, Billy Joel, after this, he would continue to make even more music videos, including the likes of Rod Stewart and Queen. He's done a lot of stuff. Uh, but movie-wise, after this, he would direct Highlander 1 and 2. There can only be one. He also directed the TV show adaptation of The Hunger, starring Terrence Stamp and David Bowie, depending on which season you watched. Do you remember when oh. we, we talked about that? 
Yes, uh, we and, never watched that. And he also directed 40 episodes of the new Teen Wolf adaptation. Never seen it. <laughs> never seen it. Love the movie. It. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what is Razorback about? It's pretty much the story of the dingo eating the baby. Yes. Uh, but but with Stealing a giant the boar yes. instead. Uh-huh. A giant... Well, that's the motivation uh, for one of the characters. Um, Almost... Mutant. Retributional boar. Well, I mean, that's what happens with Jaws. You got exactly. some Jaws built it in here. It felt a little bit like, like Jaws Revenge, uh-huh. but... I guess a little bit like the shallows, you know, it seems to want to kill men. I think there is supposed to be an environmental thing going on here, but they don't really dive into that. Well, our hero is... An animal rights activist. Yes, who is totally fine with killing this one animal. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, she is killed by it. Her husband... Yeah, yeah. So, like, he's not an animal rights activist, is fine with killing it. No, but he kind of is. In so much that he's married to He's not an activist the way she is. She's a, his wife is a reporter, but she reports on animal abuse and violence. And she's going down there specifically to report on all, like, the kangaroos and wallabies and stuff like that being exterminated yeah and it's funny because she expects these people to be kind and civil to her yeah she's there to just talk shit on them basically yeah i don't get that so i think there's there's a sort of weird perspective of this movie where it's almost like almost like it straddles the line a little bit where it makes fun of the hippy dippy animal rights activists but at the same time it also totally denigrates those people that are just out there killing things for fun and it's like somewhere in the middle this movie resides i don't know that anyone is just doing it for fun oh i guess that one guy kills the dog for no good reason but i mean they're doing it as a business they're they're doing it right to sell meat right right right. but not they're not just killing them and leaving them to there right but there was a time i don't know if it's still like this but there was a time when you could there like he says in the movie there is no season for kangaroos was it or was it no season for boars there's no season for boar but but the point is is that they're being overrun by them but her point in this movie is that yeah you might have been but now because there's no season you're exterminating them they talk about that a little bit, but so I don't know if that's the case now, but I know that was part of the case. So you could just go out there and just kill a kangaroo without a license. Right. And I'm not saying that that is a mm. good thing, but Australian listeners out there, write us and tell us. Yeah. What, what's it like? What do you think? I want to get your perspective anyway. Yeah. So this, this animal rights lady is killed by this giant boar who has also killed other things in the past, and her husband shows up to find out what happened to her. Yes. The movie is not available with any subscription, but you can rent it for only $2 on iTunes, Amazon, Google, and YouTube, or $3 on Microsoft and $4 on Vudu. You can buy it for $5 on those first same four services. It's $10 on Microsoft and Vudu. Should people watch Razorback? Yes, but with caveats. What are your caveats? There are 
extremely unpleasant, unnecessarily unpleasant scenes. Sure. But I do think that there's very interesting things going on in this movie and exciting things. And when you find out that the guy's a music video director, it's like, oh, I get that. It makes way more sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I wish that there was more of that. (laughs) I wish this movie was more of just a crazy acid trip out in the outback. Every time we got like a fever dream segment, I was like, I am down for this. This is awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was very 80s. I loved it. All the parts with the... Crazy outback asshole. I guess th- that's their version of hillbillies. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't enjoy those types of movies. The Baker Brothers. Yeah. Anytime that they're on screen, I'm unhappy. So that sucks. Yeah, I mean, this felt a lot like Jaws to me, except for the fact that there were human villains. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's an interesting take, and everyone's weird. Everyone, like literally everyone is a little bit weird. <laughs> I don't know that the American guy and his wife are weird. They're a little weird. <laughs> are they? Why? He's just like, he's. I'm just going to go out hunting with these two fucking oh, strangers. Yes, that is insane. <laughs> but I mean, he's kind of, he's led to them by this dude that he thinks he can trust. And I very specifically wrote down, why is he sending him to them? Like, it seems like he's setting him up to be killed. Anyway, we'll get to all of that. But yeah, I think you should watch it. I think it's worth watching. It does have a very Jaws vibe to it. It also gets a little bit Terminator, and we will talk about that. It felt a lot like frogs to me. Yeah, I could see that. A lot like frogs. (laughs) I could see that. Just with boars. But you could take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1984's Razorback. Out here is where it will find you. She was the last one to see it. An accident. Now he must face it. Thought you might know what happened. Alone. God has created it, and hell has given it a name. Now there's a new breed of terror. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Razorback begin? What is this old man's name? Jake Cullen. Jake Cullen. Mm -hmm. A grandfather to Scotty is enjoying his grandfather duties and Uh babysitting until... Out of absolutely nowhere, a giant boar charges and destroys the house. Yes. I guess eats the baby. He takes the baby away, but we assume the baby is eaten, yes. Which they later say is two years old. He does not look like a two-year-old to me. I would expect a two-year-old to be bigger than that, but whatever. 
And yeah, so charges through, somehow sets the house on fire. Well, the charging through sets something on fire. And, I guess. Know. And he takes the baby and... The whole house burns down. As the house is burning down, Jake Cullen is shouting out into the darkness, Scotty! I wrote down Jesus. Yeah, I wrote down, this, this is an opening. Hell of an opening is what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> that is an opening for sure. <laughs> And so Jake is put on trial. I think the indication is that because he kills a kangaroo, perhaps the boar is charging after him. Like, perhaps the boar is, like I said, like in frogs, fighting back yeah. in the name of nature. Uh-huh. Why a kangaroo wouldn't be able to fight back? You think a kangaroo? I mean, they fuck people up in real life. I mean, I suppose boars do as well, but... Kangaroos, as far as I've been told, are far more brazen. But here they're just seen as just animals in the outback that lots yeah. of people kill. Uh-huh. But yes, he goes on trial. And it's a... Oh, no. <laughs> what? I was gonna say kangaroo court. Totally unintentionally. Sure. <laughs> like, no, I swear to God... So, it is a kangaroo court. It was, it's just like a whole bunch of people just getting together and yelling at somebody saying, you did it, didn't you? And he does not ultimately get convicted, though. Because there's not enough there's evidence, no evidence of either way. Uh-huh. And what I thought was interesting was... The court is filled with, I guess, like I said, outback hillbillies. And they take the word of one of them that a boar couldn't have taken away yeah. a two-year-old. Well, but that's the thing. They don't ultimately, because a minute later you find out they're like, no, there wasn't enough evidence, so we didn't convict. Well, anyway, I also loved that he says it was an aberration, and the lawyer shoots back with, or an apparition, and everyone laughs. Whoa. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I don't think they'd know what that word meant. <laughs> but they might know that he got a zinger in. Maybe. <laughs> Sometimes people just respond to what they feel is happening. <laughs> but so two years later in New York, we meet... Beth Winters, played by a Judy Morris. And she is actually Australian, and I called that. In the very first scene we see her, I was like, something's off about her American accent. Is she actually, and I, so I looked it up, and sure enough, she's actually Australian. Well, there you go. She is against the mistreatment of animals. She's and, famous for it. Yes, and she is going to Australia to talk about these kangaroo and no, just kangaroo killers, right? I think she I think she also mentioned wallabies. Wallabies, yes, that's right. Last year, more than 800,000 kangaroos and wallabies were slaughtered in this district alone. Even though I don't think we even see a single wallaby. I think we see one in the entire movie. Hmm. But so she is going to be leaving her husband uh, during their anniversary. And later we will also find out she is pregnant. Yes. But we don't find that out till after she's died. Uh-huh. But also that he convinces her to go. But we get a first strange cut. Now, later these cuts will be more compelling. But this is just a weird one. It goes from their kiss to a crow cawing. 
There are some really interesting and weird transitions in this movie. Yes. And I'm into it. But this one was very <laughs> awkward. Yeah. I guess it's an omen. But so she goes to this place in the outback with, I guess, an Australian cameraman, cameraman which is, they don't explain that. How are they related? How did she meet this guy? She works for some organization. Okay. They're in Gamola. And I don't know if that's how the Australians pronounced it, but it's how all the Americans who actually say the name of the town pronounce it. But for some reason, like I said earlier, she seems to think that these people are going to be hospitable towards her. When well, she is polite. When she is very clearly here to do yeah. nothing but tear them down. Well, and the thing is, this is a small outback town that's populated by nothing but hunters. Like, that's all these people do. There aren't, like, you know, families. a bunch of families and shit there. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that she feels as safe as she does for as long as she does is odd. It's a sort of arrogance that she has. Like, you know, I'm on the side of right, and you can't fucking touch me. Mm -hmm. But you're out in the middle of nowhere in a foreign country and surrounded by people whose livelihoods you're trying to destroy. There is no way I would have gone anywhere without that cameraman. Yeah. But she does. She ends up going, like, out without him after he's done for the day, takes the camera and goes investigating on her own. Not to say that she deserves anything she gets. Of them, course not. But of course not. I would be too scared to go around yeah. for this exact mm -hmm. reason. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, it's not like she's just walking around the town. <laughs> she is specifically going to catch people on camera doing things they're not supposed to be doing. like In awful conditions. Like, you have put yourself in danger at that point. Yeah. Again, you don't deserve what happens to you, but there were precautions you did not take. She does actually talk to Jake Cullen at one point here, briefly. He because seems she to thinks, be like... She thinks he's going to be her big story. Yeah. She does not understand at all what she has gotten herself into. And and when she's asking him, like, what he does is he hunts Razorbacks. And she's like, how can you do that? And she, his response is, his response is, I don't know. There's something about blasting the shit out of a Razorback that brightens up my whole day. Roughly, how many Razorbacks would you kill in a season? There isn't a season for Razorbacks, girlie. Then why kill them? You ought to know. There's something about blasting the shit out of a Razorback that brightens up my whole day. She's like, oh shit, and he just drives off nearly running her over. <laughs> yes. And then when she goes inside the local pub slash hotel or whatever, uh -huh. the dude who's one of those brothers who will eventually... One of the Baker brothers. ...try yeah. to rape her, but thankfully not be successful. He throws darts at her, and they end up going into a chalkboard. And I don't know that I believe that a dart would go through a chalkboard. Uh, yeah, I could see that happening. But I don't think that they would be sharp enough to go through a chalkboard. But they do. But she is kind of a badass... She pulls him off the wall, drops him in his beer, and walks away. And everybody laughs at him. <laughs> uh -huh. And that was fun. Yeah. I like that they don't just side with him because he's one of them. Yeah, I think they don't like the Baker brothers either. The Baker brothers are kind of insane. I, I think a lot of the, of the hunters here are a little bit made uncomfortable by them. And it's weird that no one else has ever seen the boar in all this time because she will see it. Almost immediately. Yeah, almost immediately. Well, because that it needs to happen for the story to happen. I guess, but in two years, no one has seen it, and then she sees it the day she arrives. That's weird, right? 
Anyway. She goes out to the Baker Brothers factory, I guess, where they work with a few other people. To film them doing illegal practices. And yes. you think she's going to get away with it because she's in her car listening, by the way, to Duran Duran. Uh-huh. But you do not expect them to be so crazy that they run her off the road to try to rape yes, her. Yes, she doesn't expect it either. Now, here's the odd part. They do not intend on killing her. When the boar shows up, they take that as an opportunity to leave her to die. Mm -hmm. But killing her was not part of their plan. And I'm like, wait, did you not expect her to report you? And say what? That they raped her? Says and who? Have proof? Such as? Listen, hey, I am on your side. I'm explaining why a lot of people do not report rapes. That, it's a huge problem because what evidence do you have? Semen? It was consensual. She's only saying now that it wasn't. Why would anyone sleep with him? All I'm saying is it fucking sucks. It does. It just sucks. I, I, but I, I'm sure that they're just arrogant and they're crazy and they're idiotic and they're like, whatever, call us a rapist. I don't give a shit. We have a bad reputation in town anyway, and we're not going to go to jail for it. Well, like, uh, but as I said, she ends up fighting him off and they are scared away because the boar is there and this it is hits a good their truck. Yeah. And this is a good opportunity to leave her to be killed by the boar. Yeah. It's their truck first, almost as if it was offended by the rape or attempted rape. Or I think, personally, that the boar is aware of these men. Yeah, they have the big spotlight on the top of the truck. They are terrorizing his outback. Uh -huh. And I th I don't think he understands that there's a rape happening. I think that he wants revenge on these people. Yeah, Which I guess would be why he charged after Jake Cullen in the first place. But they had not set up that he... Well, I guess he killed the kangaroo in the very first shot, which is why... But again, why wouldn't he have gone after these men in the last two years who clearly kill way more animals than yeah. Jake Cullen? What are the boar's motivations here? <laughs> I would like to know. <laughs> anyway, the boar ends up being crazy strong. But I guess that makes sense because he said he's an aberration. I mean, he did tear through an entire house and he is able to tear off the door of a car. Yes, which he does to her. She gets into her car to try to get away. The Baker brothers have already left and he ends up killing her by breaking in her car. She goes out the other end. He still manages to gore her and her body is gone. Just like Just the two year old disappears body is gone. Yeah. Which is why they couldn't convict him. Which is why it's insane that they convicted the mother in at the actual story. Only for a couple of years, thank God. Yeah. And then, way later, they ended up finding the child's clothing. Yeah. In, in a dingo's, like, lair or whatever. And it's just like, that woman spent, like, four years of her life in jail for that. Yeah, with a dead child. Mm-hmm. Now, after we have just watched all of this, like I said, unnecessarily unpleasantness with her and the brothers, the tone suddenly shifts to almost lighthearted comedy when the husband shows up to Australia and, like, 
comedic when he's driving on the wrong side of the road and stuff. It's very real. Uh-huh. And he borrows a car from a guy that's never going to see his car again. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, he is. But it's just funny how it's just like, <laughs> ah, bring it back in the morning. He doesn't need it. Like, and okay. <laughs> but that car is not returning in the morning. No, it's not. <laughs> so, yes, he shows up. He borrows the innkeeper's car. Because there's no car rental place around here. Are you kidding? Where do you need to go? Oh, you just need to talk to Jake Cullen? Fine. He's 30 miles that way. Take my car. He gets in on the wrong side of the car. When he starts driving, he drives on the wrong side of the road. Yes, very funny. And it's weird. It's weird. It's really, really weird. Driving on the wrong side of the car on the wrong side of the road. I don't know why the Brits did that. They've ruined it for several countries. Well, there's this. Most of the world drives like we do. It's weird. (laughs) Anyway. He drives out and he talks to Jake Cullen. Who tells him to go and see these brothers without giving him any warning whatsoever. Even though he knows that they attacked his wife and he knows that his wife was killed by the boar. He doesn't know. He assumes he found her. He does say, I know how you feel. So he knows right away that she was killed by the boar, even though the official story is she fell down a, a mine shaft. Yes. But he knows that it was also the brothers because they had their butcher knife in the in the sand or whatever. Like he understands that they were there. He even like, approaches them because he want what he wants is them to confirm that the boar exists. He doesn't really give a shit what they did to the woman, Uh but he uses that as leverage against them. Like, I know you were there. I know you were attacking her. I want you to admit that the boar exists. And they say, fuck you. We're not going to admit anything. She fell down a mine shaft. Annie! What do you want, Jake? You were there. We were where? You and Dicko. Eh? You saw it? What was it we saw, mate? What was it? All right, where's Dicko? Well, Dicko didn't see it, mate. He didn't see any boars or he didn't see any women. Bye, Jake. So he knows that, but he doesn't give this husband any warning over what he's about to encounter. Well, he's very single-minded. Yes, he is. He he's just very, wants very people to believe that the boar exists. Mm-hmm. And so he goes, again, without any comprehension of who these people are and what they're like, and he, his story is that he's Canadian, and they're like, well, Canadians are American, aren't they? Yeah. North American, I guess. Yeah. But the movie sets this up very strangely. Later, you find out that, like, through just what happens, you understand that he has, like, lied to them and said that he wants to go on a, a kangaroo hunt. But he never says that. They never talk about it. They never go over the details. Nothing. He's, He's just, just playing along with it. This he whole time. just suddenly is staying with them and going out in the outback with them in the because middle of the night. In this very small town, it's just people are just hospitable. You know, you have no reason to not like or trust somebody else. Uh, people are just very hospitable, even the Baker brothers, except for the fact that they want to fuck with you. But they're yeah, sure. You want to stay. Here's your bunk. Sleep in that bunk. Don't just don't go. Don't go back. Tonight, you borrowed, what's-his-face's car? He won't mind. He doesn't need it. 
We'll bring it back to him in the morning. And they end up taking him out on a kangaroo hunt. In the middle of the night. Which is where when you go and, and hunt kangaroos. Is it? Why? Well, they explain in this movie is because you spotlight them. And they're very much like deer, where they freeze in the spotlight. Oh. And that allows you to shoot them. Mm. Come on, we're going hunting, mate. We're going hunting tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you don't shoot roos in the daylight. They can't see the spotlight. Without really thinking too far ahead in his plan here, in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, he starts asking them questions about the woman who came to shoot film about these kangaroo killers. You know, they may not be the smartest people in the world, but they're not totally stupid. Uh-huh. And they start they pick up on this and they're like, why do you care about this woman? Now we think that maybe your intentions were not to come on a hunt, but to find out what really happened to her. And they decide to just leave him there. Well, but after he also kind of screws up a kill for them. Yeah, he throws up on one of the Baker brothers' heads. And they don't really care about that. <laughs> no, yeah. They're they're fucking gross anyway. They don't give they a don't shit. They don't shower at all. Yeah. He just... asks them, when can I shower? And they're just like, shower. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he um when they when they try to fire on a kangaroo, he he drops the spotlight down into the cabin of the of the truck and he throws up. It's like, hey, a bit of warning would have been nice. Like, that's his big concern is that throwing up on him was rude. And it was not that it was gross. It was rude. And they really don't mind that he fucked up with the light. It's that he can't stand that the kangaroo has to suffer. And they explain, like, they don't just do that for fun. They explain, well, that helps with the meat or whatever. Yeah, because they turn these animals into pet food. Into pet food. That's what their that's what their operation is. So why do they give a shit if it's tender? You didn't kill it, it's still alive. Well, of course it is, mate. You don't kill it outright or it'll go as stiff as jerky before you have time to butcher it. Something about the meat. Uh, but of course, I mean, as any animal lover would, this would be terrible to watch an animal have to least suffer like if this. If it needs to die, put it out of its misery. So he gets out of the car and does that, and they've now had enough. He has been asking about this lady, he threw up on them, and now he's ruined their kill, and they basically say, fuck you, see you later, bye. Just flip it, stick it, and see you later, bye. No, well, they're like, fine, you deal with this, you need to skin it right here and right now, before it all goes bad, and we're gonna go on and hunt, but you gotta stay here. Don't go on a walkabout, they put it. Because if you do, we'll never be able to find you. So It's he- interesting that they even say that. Uh huh. It's interesting that they care. Well, because they want to fuck with him, but they don't want to kill him. I guess. <laughs> but so when they give him the machete or whatever knife it is, whatever blade they're using, uh, he throws it into the ground. And it leaves a mark in the ground. And our main character, who we haven't said his name, by the way, is Carl Winters. He is going to remember that mark left by that blade. But in the middle of the night, in the middle of the desert outback, he starts hearing noises, freaking out. And so he has to make a run for it. Doesn't he have bad dreams before that? He he has kind of a bad dream and he wakes up from, from hearing a noise. Then he goes, he runs further. And then while he's running, it kind of turns into a dream. And he like lets pigs go free, but then they chase after him. Yeah. So these are boar that are... 
like trying to kill him. There's a there's a skeleton of a horse that sort of haunts him. There's a oh, it's just a great sequence. I really wish the movie had more of that. And it just kind of forgets about that after this. That's later. That's well, when after he's, when he's hiding on the the wind. Yeah, so yeah. he gets up on a windmill thing and they keep attacking, which again reminded me of frogs. Yeah. You know, how the creatures would all attack. But it also reminds me of Tremors, how that guy climbed up that powerful yes. thing and ended up having to stay up there because there are things on the ground that wanted to eat it. Yes, but that came after this. It did. And frogs came before this. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so the pigs attack him on this thing, and it comes crashing down into but in the middle water. Of the pond, yeah. So it's like, oh well, thank goodness they can't swim until oh my god, this dead one pops up, <laughs> scares the crap out of him, scared the hell out of me too. <laughs> it it makes the the desert of the Australian outback, very, very pretty to look at. A lot of things are filmed in silhouette against gorgeous skies. I wrote, I love these dream sequences. They are very music video esque. Yes. It's right after this, that we get the very cool hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love the visuals. Yes. There is a dead horse. I was like, Oh shit, a dead <laughs> horse. And that was very cool. But it's like animated, creepy. it comes out of the ground and moves around and stuff, and yeah. You gotta watch it, it's very cool. Uh-huh, I'll share it on, I'll find it and share it on Twitter. But Follow all us. of a sudden, he doesn't have shoes on, and he has to, like, take off his sleeves for his feet. I'm like, what happened to his shoes? I don't know. <laughs> and he just comes upon this gorgeous woman taking a shower outside. She screams, <coughs> he screams back, <coughs> and then he collapses. This beautiful woman is Sarah Cameron, played by Arky Whiteley, who, she died in 2001. I'd like to point out that in the film, this man's wife died, like, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. (laughs) And he just gets into it with this new chick right away. Well, no, not right away. It's the end of their adventure, pretty much, that he even kisses her once, expecting to never see her again. I guess. But anyway, she sort of nurses him. You know, he's in her bed and stuff like that. And she ends up calling Jake. They they are, work together. They work together. I'm because not sure she's how trying or to, why. She's trying to track, like, boar migratory patterns and what their population levels are and, and stuff like that. And she just happens to be this gorgeous local that no one fucks with. Yeah, uh-huh. Well, I mean, and Jake protects her. Jake's kind of like a, a uncle to her or something like that. Since his own daughter doesn't believe him. Yes. That... Just she randomly. Think, she truly believes that her father randomly killed her grandfather. I wrote, her I wrote father, this. I didn't talk about it earlier, but can I can't believe a Razorback could drag a baby. Okay, I can understand why somebody would be like, that's not possible. It's not strong enough. I'm kind of like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it could. Like, in reality, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it could. But these people are certain that that did not happen. Well, they were certain a dingo couldn't have done it. But they can believe that this elderly man... And in one case, your father yes. would just kill his grandson randomly and then burn down his own house. Out of nowhere. Like, it, it, yeah, 
it's weird that you would believe the one thing is possible and likely and that the other one isn't. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but people are like that. I mean, it's not like she's like, fuck my dad. Like, she is crying and she's just like, he says that's what happened, but it just doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. And so the other explanation does. <laughs> but he's been embittered by all of this. He doesn't care about anything but finding that Razorback and killing him and getting vindication. Vindication! The boar destroyed his life, according to Sarah. We also get a, a pause on his face, like, screaming the grandfather, but that is not the end of the movie. <laughs> we get, like, this pause. Yeah, there's some weird visuals going on again. Yes. Which are fun and interesting. This is when we find out, he's talking to this woman, that his wife was pregnant when he convinced her to go on this trip by herself. She didn't want to make this trip. She was six weeks pregnant and worried about the baby. I'm the one that convinced her to go. Yeah, I have written down here, I'm sorry, she was six weeks pregnant? <laughs> when was that? Yeah, we never knew that before. So, Jake alerted to the fact that the Razorback might be back because the dude heard him and saw him, maybe. He goes out to look for him while Carl heals up a little bit from his awful night out in the in the wilderness. And he finds the boar. He finds the fucking boar. This is when he says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Which, okay. About how big it is. I guess. He ends up getting attacked by the Baker brothers. Yeah, they find him and... He, I think, says something else about the fact that he knows that they had to do with Winter's disappearance. But he also is knocked out. Oh, they knock him out on accident. And he's mad because he wants to break his legs and he wants him to feel it. He's like, how's he going to feel it when I do it now that you've knocked him out? Yeah. uh And the guy's like, well, he'll feel it when he wakes up. Yeah, so they break his legs as he's knocked out, which is just terrible. And he sends Spider to get Sarah, like, tell Sarah, go get help. And Spider is his dog, one of his dogs. The other one or two that he has had already been killed by the Baker brothers. And so Spider is running back to Sarah's place when here we have the Baker brothers in their truck singing Ease On Down the Road from The Wiz. Yes. Which is weird. It is. Ease On Down and then one of them forces the one who's driving to hit the dog. What did you do that for? He force him to. He just well, he like does. moves the steering wheel or whatever, doesn't he? It's the guy driving. Oh, the guy driving to do okay. it. Maybe I'm just confused because they're on the wrong side of the fucking car. <laughs> anyway, yes, he intentionally runs over the dog, and the other's like, "Why'd you do that for?" And he's like, "I don't know." Yeah, and the other one is the one that never really wants to do, like, the crazy evil shit that the other one wants to do, but he also never says anything about it. It's very similar to, pardon my random reference, from The Stand in the very beginning with Lloyd Henry 
uh-huh. and his partner. Yes. His partner okay. is the crazy one who wants to kill everybody. Uh-huh. And Lloyd Enreed's just kind of like... Down for whatever, I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah. It was very similar to that. But these two make more sense because they're brothers. So it makes more sense that he would be more okay with it. Very similar to From Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Where he just puts up with his brother because yeah, it's his uh-huh. brother and he loves him, but he also knows that he's a crazy asshole. But, th- but he's also a psychopath. Like, that's the thing. Like, he's not sane and just is dealing with the psychopath. They're, they're both crazy. Yes. The dog's been hit. Sarah will find Spider dead in the road later and know that something's happened to Jake. And so she and Carl are going to go looking for Jake. But in the meantime... Jake's out in the middle of the outback here with broken legs, and he is nearby that pond where Carl was and claimed to hear the Razorback. And he hears the Razorback as well. And so he goes into this shed or something that's there by this pond and ends up getting getting first getting attacked by all the wild boar, but they can't get in because the door keeps slamming on them. Because it's like spring loaded. Yes. And every time they try to get in, it like slams on him and they run away and he laughs at them. Yes. But then comes the giant razorback, which blows the whole entire door off and ends up killing him. And fucking Jake is dead, who you might think originally was supposed to be your hero. This guy who has been hardened by the loss of his grandson. Nobody believes his story, but he's going to prove himself right. No, he's not our hero. He dies. You think that the animal rights activist might be the hero? Nope, she dies. It's her fucking husband that comes in later that's our real hero. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he has an epic showdown with this boar. Well, they're going to go looking for Jake, and they'll find him here. I have very few notes for the end of this that, That's It's fine. There's not a lot going on here. What Carl figures out is... The Baker brothers were there. He finds the marks in the ground from their blade. He's like, they were there. They fucked him up. They left Jake to die. They must have done the same thing to my wife. He starts to put things together. And he hunts them down. And he finds the slightly more sane one, who I think is Benny. Benny Baker. They get in an altercation and he falls down a well, a mine shaft or whatever with the cable. And he's like holding on to it. And he's like, let me up, let me up. And he's like, no, you need to tell me the truth. What happened? And he ends up telling him the truth. But it was Dicko. It was Dicko. It was my brother. It wasn't really me. There's a moment that they don't really punctuate. But what what's happening here is that Carl is doing the same thing to Benny that Benny did to his wife, which is, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm also not going to help. I'm just going to stand by and let what happens happen. Mm-hmm. And that is that the line goes loose and dude falls all the way down this mine shaft mm-hmm. screaming. And that's the end of Benny Baker. But now he's got to track down Dicko, who is at the warehouse where they slaughter the animals and package the food and everything. And so he goes to kill him and they get into a fight. Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) And this crazy psycho, like when he has him by the balls, pretty much, he's just like, I'm a kangaroo. Because he thinks that that will stop him. Oh from no! Because he has it. him in the spotlight, and he's like, "Oh, look, you have me like like we have the kangaroos." Yeah, and he's just trying to. And when Carl doesn't shoot him, he's like, "Just fucking shoot me already! Just kill me!" You showed mercy to the kangaroo. I'm a kangaroo. Ha <laughs> <laughs> 
They had a really good sex with him. I was like... Then the Razorback shows up. Also to Sarah, for some reason, I don't remember why, but she shows up as well. The Razorback will kill Dicko in this pit that they're in because he can't climb out. And that's how Dicko's going to die. But now Sarah and Carl are potentially going to be killed by this thing in this warehouse that's boiling over. I wrote down, okay, the movie's Terminator now. But here's the thing. Terminator came out October 26, 1984. Razorback came out November 16th, 1984, three weeks later. So not possible, right? You know what else is not possible? The fact that it came out in the U.S. in November of 1984. It was actually released in Australia in April. This is, this predates Terminator, but it felt very Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're in this sort of factory that's moving that's going to explode, you know, that they're, the danger of all the equipment. Instead of a, a crushing mechanism, there's a giant fan blade thing that's designed to chop up meat and a conveyor belt that leads to it. And it just felt all very T1 and T2. But yes, ultimately, he gets the, the boar to jump after him. He gets out of the way. Well, he first he stabs it. And it, like, With spits blood at him. Oh, yeah, all over his face. <laughs> That's but it's really not good. dead. No. It keeps coming after him, and he's able to lure it to into blades. Yeah, and then those blades at the end of the conveyor belt and killing it. And, and when then, he's yelling at it, he looks very McConaughey. Yeah. This whole factory is about to explode, but because he happened to be there at the factory when he first showed up to talk to the Baker brothers and he saw somebody hit this giant boiler in order to get it to stop and to release its gas or whatever and not explode. Uh, he knew to do that. And so he does that and he prevents the factory from exploding, which I mean, I guess is good. So now your evidence of the chopped up boar is still there because that's the problem. All the evidence, anytime anything happened, like Jake's house, the house went up so he couldn't point to the damage and say that wasn't fucking me. Mm hmm. Because the whole house burned down anyway. So now this place isn't exploded and maybe he has some proof. Well, the movie ends on a still frame of them embracing. Yeah. It's bad. There's a few things we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the fact that before she finds Spider, she's ready to let him go and she drops him off at the bus stop. Then And they and they kiss there. Yes. And then she finds Spider and comes back and picks him up and says, I we wrote down, do that sure was a fast kiss. Yeah. <laughs> We also didn't talk about the fact that the boar attacks somebody else and rips off a corner of his home with the TV in it. And it just runs away. Oh, that's right. Into the darkness. This it's, random guy it's very that we, absurd. we see a lot in the film, like just laughing at his TV. And then uh -huh. at one point, the boar takes away half of his house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also. Which is ridiculous, but it's funny. The movie did win two ACTAs, which are the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts Awards for cinematography from Dean Semler, and editing for William M. Anderson. I see why. Yeah. Dean Semler, the cinematographer. Oh, we didn't even talk about the other strange cuts that they do. They do a lot of yes. strange cuts, but 
other than that first one, they're all very interesting. Yeah. And they're all very unique, and some of them flow very nicely. Things slamming down into frame. There was like a-, a You're going to have to show them There's like Twitter. an oil pump or something like that that comes into frame that cuts it off and, and does a cut between shots. Yeah, there's some really interesting shit. It's really only the first one that's jarring, and I think maybe it's supposed to be because you're cutting from love to what's going to happen to yeah. her. <laughs> but anyway, also Dean Semler, the cinematographer, won Cinematographer of the Year this year for from the Australian Cinematographer Society. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, it, it did get accolades for being really cool looking film. Look, is it the Babadook? Fuck no. No, no, it's not. But is it cut? No. No, it's not. And I think... This is pretty good. It's, it's a lot closer to the Babadook than it is to cut. It's not great, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I wish it had more of the weird visual music oh, video God. stuff. Oh, God. I wish it was more, way more of the hallucinations. I, I I wish that was just the world that he existed in. I don't know, maybe because of his distress. I don't know. But that's what I wish that more of the film was. The Baker brothers were weird and terrible. And I love them as our villains, sort of. They're very evil, so they were very easy to dislike. Yeah, but uh, they were also interesting to watch at the same time. So, like, I don't know. I I liked the movie. I really did. More than I thought I would. You know, this is no uh, Rawhead Rex or anything like that. <laughs> remember when he pees on the dude? No, I did not remember that. <laughs> Rawhead Rex? I don't remember a lot There's of that the priest movie. And he's just like peeing on the priest. I mostly remember the priest <laughs> just being like, Rawhead! <laughs> anyway, what do you think Razorback has on Rotten Tomatoes? I guess it's pretty high. I'm going to say an 86. Out of 12 reviews, there is no oh, there's consensus. There's only 12. Okay. There is no consensus. It has a 58. Okay, holy shit. No Metacritic, no cinema score. So, do you think that 58 is overrated or underrated? Definitely underrated. Definitely underrated, but what would you give it? I'm going to give it a 79. Okay. Just not quite 80% good, because they're just... There's a lot of, like I said, unnecessary unpleasantness and... It's a little, like, there's not a lot going on. Yeah, and, and like I said many times already, like, I wanted more of this stuff. The fact that I get a taste of the weirdness it's is... It's so good. It's 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 almost like it only accentuates how much more it should have had. Yes. So, yeah. Lots of potential. I think 79 is a pretty good score. I'll give it a 79, too. I like that. All right. That is 1984's Razorback, but the Australian hits just keep coming. Australia, 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 we we love you. you. Amen. Amen. Yes, I know. That is British people making fun of Australia. So moving on to our next Australian horror movie, the modern movie from 2009, The Loved Ones, written and directed by Sean Byrne. Starring Xavier Samuel, Robin McLevy, and John Brumpton. The only other thing Sean Byrne has directed... So this was his directorial debut. The only other thing he's directed is The Devil's Candy. That's the movie, Kelsey, that we watched where Ethan Embry has really long hair and he goes crazy making a painting. 
again, potential, but not hitting the mark. I was... It was interesting, and it just didn't get there. I was shocked that that was Ethan Embry. I love Ethan Embry. (laughs) Mia, the uh, goth chick, played by Jessica McNamee, was in The Meg, the giant shark movie. Okay. But she also just recently played Sonya Blade in the new Mortal Kombat movie. Oh. I thought that was pretty interesting (laughs) that we've seen her in something. What is The Loved Ones about? A girl asks a boy to a dance, and when he says no, she retaliates. Okay. The movie is available with subscriptions to Prime. You can rent it for $3 on Amazon, YouTube, Google, Vudu, and Microsoft. You can buy it for $10 on those same services. Should people watch The Loved Ones? Yes. Yes. We said last week, it's a little torture porny. Yeah. But and us not was, liking it, torture porn in general. It was worse in that way than I remembered it being. Like I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Some of these scenes, Jesus. Uh, but if that but, tells you something that we could overlook all that shit. Because there's we actually so really many there's it. so much other stuff that's so good. There's great character moments throughout great the movie. Characters. Yeah. Very rich characters uh-huh. and a backstory that you're very fascinated with even though it's terrible and yeah you get a side story whose only contribution to the movie is to provide additional context and layering and depth to the story and yet it's still good but they have no impact on the plot like none but still interesting but it's still really fucking interesting yes. and there's humor sprinkled throughout they uh-huh. somehow did that they somehow made scenes with this evil girl funny i yeah Fat, that's fascinating. And the main guy is great. Why is he not in more things? He's also in Twilight and Adore, right? Yes. But I don't ever remember. I I think I've seen Twilight I, like all the way through, but I don't remember if I have. <laughs> yeah. It's not a great franchise. No. Uh, but, but anyway, yeah. He should be in more things. What he was capable of portraying without having lines is very impressive. Yeah, half this movie he doesn't talk. And, you know, he still does a great job of acting. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic movie. It's one of those movies that's like, it's just really fucking good. Why haven't more people seen it? But then if anyone knows horror cinema, they probably already know about this movie. A lot of you guys have probably already seen this. I mean, we did. Before we started doing the podcast, we saw it and we loved it. So, yeah, there. I think there's a contingent out there that, of course, they know what Loved Ones is. But there are those people out there that have just never even heard of it. And it's just really good. So I would recommend that you watch this movie. So would Kelsey. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2009's The Loved Ones. Come to the prom? Yeah. I'm going with Holly. Come on. <coughs> yes! She said yes! Pretty as a picture. Will you go to the dance with me? Sorry, Loma. I'm going with Holly. Hi, this is Brent. Leave a message. Brent's done this before. He's always turned up. Mm. 
Kelsey, get us started. How does the loved ones begin? Have you heard about the lonesome loser? Beaten by the queen of hearts every time. It's playing in the car, and this father is singing along, and the, the main guy... Brent, played by Xavier Samuel... Tells him that he sounds very old as he sings along. And suddenly, this guy wanders out into the street, and he's all cut up. And our main kid swerves to miss him and hits the tree, and we don't see what happens. Now this, let's just get this out of the way, because having already seen it, we knew exactly who this was, right? Yes. Did you remember who he was? I actually wrote down... Gee, I wonder where this guy in the street just came from. Right. Now, the first time you see this, it seems weird, random, out of place, and you kind of forget about it for a few minutes. Yeah, because they don't come back to the fact that there was a man in the street, and that's why they swerved, and what's up with that dude? He's just a non-issue for most of the movie. Which... You assume that they handled that situation because they just never talk about it again. Right. But I mean, what was he going to say? I saw a dude in the middle of the street and he looked bloody and they're like, okay, but there was nobody there. Right. But my question is, where on earth did this guy go that they never found this body because she never found him? Yeah. So this dude's just wandering around the outback? He probably died. Right. And no one found him? Uh Uh-huh. That's nuts. He was lobotomized. He wasn't exactly looking... I understand, but he didn't, like, run away. Like, when he swerved, he just kind of wandered a little bit. Yeah. So, obviously, somebody had to come to the rescue of this kid and his dad. At some point in the middle of nowhere, that guy was long gone. But I'm sure they had a phone. I think they were both knocked out. Well, one was dead. Whatever. The point, the fact of the matter is there's a smash and it goes to black, which implies that they are knocked out. I am surprised that you do not agree that it is odd that they never investigated this. Oh, I'm sure they did. But what's there to investigate? It's just another clue that there was somebody. Right around the time when a kid went missing. Oh, yeah. And then they saw him. And then what? It doesn't help them find him. Anyway, let's just handle this. So we're going to find out. Yes. Spoilers. (laughs) What we are going to find out is that earlier, what was it, two years now? Two years has gone by? Well, that includes the six-month jump we get right after that car accident. So this is only six months later? The movie takes place six months after the crash. Okay, so he only went missing six months ago. 
And they don't think it's odd that there is a connection between... I think... I would think they would find a connection, but they They don't. They probably did, but again, what does that matter? It does not help them find him. And his father happens to be the sheriff. The bloody dude's father, yes. Yes, and he has a daughter who... We don't know if she was goth before this, but the implication is that she is... Not handling it well. Not handling her brother's disappearance well. She's going to have a breakdown later on in the movie and ask one question of her dad. Why'd you stop looking? (laughs) Why can't you find him? (laughs) And it kind of sucks knowing... Why couldn't you find him or something like that, yeah. And it kind of sucks knowing that because... There are a lot of moments that will be kind of funny at the beginning with uh-huh. her and her father. Yeah. And you think it's just because she's this goth chick and uh-huh. her father's a she's straight-laced a sheriff. rebellious kid and yeah. But knowing later why she is the way that, or at least the depth that she is, uh-huh. is because her brother went missing and they never found out where he was. Uh-huh. Kind of ruins the humor at the beginning of the film. Uh-huh. <laughs> But so this is a, this is foreshadowing what will happen to our main character. Brent. All that carving and stuff is, and the lobotomy is what our poor Brent is going to have to encounter with Lola. Lola. Yep, played played by by Robin McLeavy. Do we know any of these people? Do we know her? I mean, we saw Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. I never saw it. I thought I saw it with you. Maybe you saw it without me, but I never I saw it. She played Nancy Lincoln. Hmm. Yeah. She was in Hell on Wheels. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Too bad, because she was very good. Do you agree? Yeah. hmm But yeah, so Brent's best friend is going to ask that sister we were talking about to the dance. And that is this whole subplot that will go on throughout the film. That's the one we were talking about that is inconsequential to the plot. But it's but all about very... building relationships and tone and characters. And, and, yeah. and very well developed. Yeah. That's Mia and Jamie. So Lola will ask Brent to the dance. Whatever Lola wants. Now, Chris, do you think if he had said yes, they would have legitimately gone to the dance and none of this carnage would have happened? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I think it's possible that she might have found out that they weren't compatible. I think she would have gone. They would have found out that they're not compatible. And he probably could have been punished for that. Okay. So you think either way... I think either way, something bad was going to happen to Brent because he was in Lola's sights. But it is possible that if he had said yes, they could have tried to go out on a nice date. Yeah, they probably would have gone, but it wouldn't have been. It would not have gone well. I know this. Yeah. uh But I'm just curious if you think that it was all just a plot to get him to get him to her house. No, I think he was going to get fucked regardless of what happened in one way or another because this young woman who was off her rocker, had set her sights on him. Now, he has a girlfriend. Yes, Holly. 
Do we know her from anything? Her name is Victoria Thane, and she's not in much. I mean, she is, but nothing that, that we would really know. She was in Son of the Mask. Nope. Yeah, so. Okay. She was in one episode of Wilfred. That actually wasn't a bad show. Yeah. So, yeah, I wonder so if he, that's the original or the remake, though. He has this, well, I assume it's the original. Since yeah. Since the original uh-huh. was in Australia. Yeah. So he has this girlfriend, Holly, who is aware that he cuts himself, but she doesn't say anything because we are led to believe that this all started after his father died, which is yeah. what we will find out later. That yeah, he that survived, but his dad mm-hmm. died. And he thinks that his mother blames him, which she, she is might, believable. She might blame him. Yes, that doesn't mean she doesn't love him. Right. But it's just, if she had seen what had happened, there is no way that this could have not yes. happened, unless he just rammed into a person. Uh, but either way, she just does not trust cars in general. Or kids driving. But yes, especially kids driving cars. Later on, when it's kind of come up that Holly's driving and she's going to drive him to the dance, his mom is going to say, you could take a cab. And he's like, what does it matter? It's still a car. And she's like, well, they'd be more experienced. Are you getting there? Holly's picking me up. She doesn't even have a license. She got it today. I'll give you money for a cab. What's the difference? It's still a car. I'm still in a car. But they're experienced. And I wasn't so dead, died. But the fact that he cuts himself is important because he wears a razor blade around his neck. Yes. Which he will use a lot to get himself out of being tied up several times. Yes. Yeah, and that's what we mean it's important to the plot. But again, there are a lot of important character development beats that aren't substantial to the plot. This one is one of them. And... I like that they take their relationship seriously. They show you very obviously that they are, in fact, teenagers, the way that they handle themselves. They have sex out in broad daylight in their car. uh That'll happen twice. (laughs) Where Lola can just stand there and watch and they don't even notice. He doesn't even notice that she's there. She's not like up against the window or anything. We see her from the angle that we're in. But at the same time, she says, I love you. And he doesn't. And even though she is visibly upset by this, she does not say anything. And it just, it felt very real. Uh Uh-huh. And it's really sad and tragic because later she will find a card that he intended to give to her that evening that did, in fact, say, I love you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is very real because he has trouble saying it out loud, even though Uh he feels it. Because he is, you know, his father just died. So uh he has emotional problems. (laughs) There is a whole segment where he will consider and almost attempt killing himself and then almost accidentally kill himself. Yeah, I mean, he he kind of doesn't care whether he lives or dies or at least doesn't think he does. And so he goes rock climbing, free climbing, just because he's out there and he's just hanging there like, oh, if I fell right now, it'd just be all over. But when he actually slips, the rocks move and he freaks out and panics and realizes, oh, shit, I don't want to die. Yeah, but he might actually fall and hurt himself. But he doesn't. He actually climbs up to safety and there's this moment of peace right before... He gets attacked by this weird man. Yes, he is abducted. And it's interesting because he was, like, right when he answers the phone to his mom. And I guess the implication is that she thinks he just hung up on her because they had kind of a fight. 
But at the same time, it doesn't it sound like he's being muffled and abducted? The phone falls. And she does find it, which tells her that this is scary, but the cop still thinks, eh, he's done this before, until yeah, they find his iPod His iPod, later. yeah. Because a kid would would leave his phone, but not his iPod. Well, it's, number one, it's just a flip phone, so it's not like it's a smartphone and all of his stuff's on there. Yeah, I guess this is 2009. Uh-huh. When your iPod was way more important than your phone. Yes. It was a weird flashback seeing that iPod with the with the dial on it. Oh, oh. I had one of those. I remember interacting with that thing. That was so great. <laughs> I loved that thing. Just spinning around in circles. I'd just play around with that just for fun. <laughs> Playing solitaire. <laughs> when his best friend goes to pick up the rocker chick, the dog immediately goes for his balls. Yes. And later he will explain, I've got weed in my pocket, which is why your dog went after my dick. And she asks him, why did you tell me that? And he goes, oh, because I didn't want you to think I had a hygiene problem. And she's like, did you think I was going to suck your dick or something? Uh And it's just so sad because he just wanted to explain that he doesn't reek. (laughs) It's really a cute moment. And she is just giving him a hard time. I don't think she really, you know. She just has a bad attitude right now, you know? Yes. But she does kind of like him. Yeah. When they get to the dance, he tries to slide across the hood of the car and oh, fails yes. epically. It's great. And I she love still it. just sits there and waits for him to open the door. I love every awkward slide over a car hood in any movie ever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It was a lot of fun. It was very real. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> And I think what really clinches the fact that he is missing is the fact that his dog shows up and has been stabbed. Yeah. Because the dad thought that he actually killed the dog. That's my guess, yeah. But he, he didn't. He, like, clawed him with a hammer. Yeah. That's how they finally convince the sheriff that something bad happened to him to go out there and look because the dog showed up and was stabbed. So we see the father... Who we don't yet know is the father, but he's the father of Daddy. Lola. I don't think we ever actually get a name. Okay. And f- as a matter of fact, Lola is credited as princess. Oh, that's weird because they give her the name of Lola. Right, but she's princess and he's daddy. That's like the characters. Mm. We see him stop and pick up roadkill and we don't know what for yet mm-hmm. on the way back. And when they get to the house... He takes him out, and Lola's like, oh my god, you killed him! You've ruined it! (laughs) He looks dead. I didn't use that much. You've ruined it! There it is. Let me hear. And he's like, like, he was breathing. He's alive, he's alive. And he is. Uh huh. So Lola is again happy. Whatever Lola wants. Lola wants. And this is when we get to hear the song for the first time. Are you sure we didn't hear it before this point? Like, I'm pretty over certain. something. I don't think so. Okay, because I, I this is where I wrote down. Oh my god, I forgot about uh-huh. the song. You don't hear it as many times as I thought you, you hear did. it like three times. Three I times. Think. Yeah, but not pretty enough by Casey Chambers. It's great. It's a good song. Uh-huh. You should listen to it. Am I not pretty enough? Am I too un... Am I too I wish I could remember the rest of the lyrics, but I can't. It's a good song. 
legitimately. <laughs> but so we see that she is looking at her photo album, which we don't get a good look at just mm-hmm. yet. We see the dad very creepily watching his daughter. Of course, she does ask him to stay while she changes into the prom dress that he has bought her. This hideous pink dress. Uh-huh. But still, he is creepy and attracted to his daughter. But he's very uncomfortable by that. Like, if you if you're, if you you didn't watch the movie, it's not like he's just like, mm, yeah, <laughs> or anything like that. Like, he recognizes that he thinks his daughter is pretty, and that makes him very uncomfortable. But he does love his daughter. So how does he express his love for his daughter while tamping down his sexual attraction to her? It's very weird. Yes. Very creepy. (laughs) So he tells her that she's pretty as a picture. Uh Uh-huh. Which makes her very happy. And she actually is a a pretty girl. She's a good-looking girl, yeah. So our poor Brent wakes up at the dinner table. Who else is at the dinner table, Kelsey? Well, first he sees Lola, which he thinks is odd. He sees the dad, which is weirder. But then he sees Bright Eyes, and Bright Eyes kind of makes him realize his predicament and what he has in store for him, which wakes him up out of his stupor. Bright Eyes has been lobotomized. It is a woman that we assume is her mom. We will find out later, confirm she is her mother. Yeah. She will call her mommy as she kills her at the Uh end. Now, what I have to assume happened here, because we will not get any sort of backstory, what I assume is a long time ago, she was probably the first person to be lobotomized. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Because I have to assume Lola was jealous of the love that her father gave to her. And then the dad did it. But it seems or like something such happened, a and she was going to leave, and in order to keep her there, he did that to her because we know she's never done a lobotomy before, right? So like he's done all of them, right? And how they do it is apparently a Jeffrey Dahmer thing, where he would drill a hole in the skull and then pour boiling water in, but, but he poured acid, n- and none of his victims survived. They would die. Yeah. But um, apparently water doesn't kill you. But it, it was a thing he tried. Well, no, I don't think it's supposed to necessarily be like, oh, this was the problem with Jeffrey Dahmer. We've <laughs> solved it. I think it's just, it's just, you can suspend disbelief and say that, that these people survived. But yes. So either way, regardless of what happened, that's how he got her to stick around and stay compliant while he and his daughter can be fucking weirdos. <laughs> But yeah, she's at the table and she has that mark on her forehead. Now, the first time I saw this film, I did not understand at all what they did here. I still didn't understand it this time. And Chris had to explain it to me. What do they do to him? Oh, they inject. It's either draining cleaner or bleach. I think the director explicitly used the term bleach. They inject it into his vocal cords to fuck it up so he can't talk. Which how is that, why again, when he how screams, that kill you, I don't know. It is very likely that it would have at least gotten into his lungs and fucked him up. He wouldn't have been able to breathe. Not in the same way that like drinking bleach would kill you. Going into your lungs would be even worse. It's it, it'd be very bad for you. But the idea is is that they've paralyzed his vocal cords so he can't speak. He can still scream, but it probably hurts. This is why they say we can't hear you mm-hmm. when he's we screaming. Can't hear you. 
you. Yeah, and they laugh. He has one more word from this point through the rest of the movie that he speaks, and that is toilet. What? What? <laughs> toilet. When he asks to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That is his only line from now until the rest of the movie. And he does an outstanding job. Yes. He, you, you do not feel deprived of his voice at all. No. Now, there's also, like, when they go to take pictures, he, the father will ask one with bright eyes. Why would he want to do that if Because I think he's, he loves his wife. He doesn't like the fact that Lola hates her. <laughs> he probably <laughs> lobotomized he her for make her. Lola happy? He's ask, yeah, but he's asking for a concession here. Which he, is, he does give. Yes, uh-huh. But she pulls on her hair during the picture to agitate Bright Eyes, and that upsets the father and makes her happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, back at the dance, they still have not gone into the dance and are just rocking out and getting high. And drinking. She's and drinking, drinking a lot a of lot. vodka. Yeah. Yes, she is getting hammered, which will affect the way they act when they actually do go out into the dance floor, which I'm surprised they actually did do. But yeah. I guess she just got too drunk to care. Vodka was probably my my alcohol of choice when I first started drinking. My first liquor of choice. Ugh, why? Because you could put it in a white Russian. I liked that you could mix it with anything. Yeah. That's true. Uh-huh. And I'm totally fine with the flavor of it. Like, I don't like tequila. Tequila just does not... I never have. I love margaritas. It needs to be really, really good tequila, and it needs to be freezing cold for me to really enjoy it. And I'll take a shot of tequila in that instance, yes. Or in, like, a strawberry margarita. But those are, like, the only examples of tequilas that I really like. I am... Uh, give me whiskey or give me death, man. From here to eternity now, like I've I've locked in whiskey of any kind, including scotch and bourbon. Yes, that's me. But yeah, anyway, they're having vodka and it just felt very young person drinking booze to me. <laughs> true, true. Now, because we are not huge fans of torture porn, I do not think it is necessary to go through every step of this story of what she does to him, okay? I think what we can say is there are a plethora of warnings. They do give a lot of warnings. Like, the idea is if you play along, we won't hurt you, I guess. Because, I mean, they do have a plan. They they plan to cut him up. She plans to put her initials on him and eventually lobotomize him. But the idea is that if he plays along, they won't hurt him. Did you get that impression too? Yeah, like the idea was they're trying to find a partner for her, like Bright Eyes is for Daddy, mm-hmm. and they're they're trying every guy they can, and they don't care that they're that they, you know, they don't want to kill them, but if they have to die, then they have to die. It's just I don't th- think they have. No, they don't kill any of them because they start this when we find out about their history, which is fascinating. How on earth they're getting away with this and not getting caught? I don't. Yeah, know. it's not like a huge town, and there are a bunch of kids going missing. Yeah, it's a tiny town. Yeah, so, but the first few were, like, young kids. Yes, when she was very, very little, which, you know, I mean, that lets you, makes you think that Bright Eyes happened when she was very young, and, uh-huh. but again, I would understand if just that the father was nuts, and that 
influence Lola. It's just that he'll do anything for Lola, and Lola was already kind of nuts, I think, is the idea. But how at such a young age would Lola have any idea of what she would want her father to do? Well, she hadn't reached an age where she understood really right or wrong, or what she did was very No, 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 I get all that. And so she knows what she wants, and then Dad, who was also crazy would do anything for his daughter and kidnaps the first kid. But I mean, it had to have started with the mom. And I'm just very or curious somewhere thereabouts, how, yeah. that's, how that happened. Oh, you're saying that maybe he kidnapped the kid because Lola had like a huge crush on him. Yeah. And then he, the mom was like, what the fuck? And they yeah, did it to her. That's what I'm thinking. Or that something to that sense. effect. That would make more sense. Mm-hmm. Or even still, just he had to choose between his wife and his daughter because his daughter was a terrible, terrible kid and hated her mom. And dad was like, I'll do anything for my daughter and chose his daughter over his wife. I understand that. How is your decision to lobotomize I think the that dude, particular I think way? the dude was already crazy. I, think he's I assume just, that as well. He's just so weak-willed that he will do literally anything for his daughter. So why not just kill her? Maybe maybe not literally. Maybe up until, like, he still loves his wife and he figured, well. I draw maybe, the line at straight-up murder. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll buy it. Anyway, there are a plethora of things that are done to him and two bright eyes as well that are that are very uncomfortable. So he ends up saying he has to go to the bathroom. Like Chris said, he uses the word toilet. I don't know if his plan was to go to the bathroom and run away. I don't they- think it matters if he really had to pee or not. I wrote down in my notes, he is threatened. He is forced to pee in front of them at pain of death. If he doesn't, in 10 seconds... Pain of his penis being nailed down. Oh, yeah, that's it. You're right. You're right. I wrote down, dude, I don't think I could go under that pressure, even if I did really have to go. Mm Mm-hmm. But he manages to. They give him a 10-second countdown. She unzips his pants and pulls out his dick and then drinks something out out of a cup, like milk or whatever that they're drinking, and then forces him to pee in that cup. And when he starts to pee, finally, they get to, like, one or whatever... She's like, oh, he's crying. And then she wants to, like, kiss it and make it better. And I'm like, oh, my God. But then she says, or should I bite it off so she can never touch it again? Yeah. And that is when he has already gotten his feet out, I guess. But he, no. No, he. He he, just kicks her. Uh And he has undone his hands. Yes, by that point with his uh, with his razor blade. And he runs away while daddy is taking care of Lola, who's been knocked into the table and the table smashed and all of that. And he has hidden under the car, (laughs) which is a good idea until daddy gets into the car. And then he's like, fucked. So he runs up a tree. Where Lola proceeds to throw rocks at him until he falls down. Yep. And then knives into the feet, into the floor to get him to stay in place. This is when she carves into his chest and we don't see it. Well, he also, he refuses to cry because he knows it would make her happy. Yeah. He's a very strong character. Mm -hmm. We should mention that throughout all of this, he is assessing the situation. Mm -hmm. He's trying to stay as alert as possible. And they show that from his perspective. He's looking around. Like, he's a very strong, intelligent character. Yeah. But yeah, so then she shows him her album. Yep. Of all the little boys. 
and we see the sheriff's son who got away. We assume he died is what she says. And this sparks the memory. Uh Uh-huh. Of the guy that he almost hit in the road. That's the one that got away. Uh Uh-huh. And we're also now starting to put together the thing going on with the sheriff who we've met, his daughter Mia, why she's behaving the way that she does. And I'm still left here wondering, how did he get away? Where on earth is this person? (laughs) Somewhere in the outback. There's a lot of fucking nothing out there. I mean, imagine if you were up in Fresno or Barstow or any of those places and you wandered off into the desert. How long would it be before somebody found you? Or the forest? But yes, then she says that she is ready to draw on him, and she does, and they pour salt all over it. Is it salt? I didn't know if it was like an abrasive cleaner, like a lye or something like that. I thought it was salt. Yeah, it's some some sort of white powder on his chest. We don't actually see the carving itself, but we see the end result. Which is her initials, right? Yeah. And, and like a heart, yeah. Uh-huh. And a circle around it. Yeah, and she's drawn hearts on all the photos she has of him and a red dot in the center of his forehead where the heart sort of meets the cleavage of the heart. Mm-hmm. The cleavage. That's, the it, there's a, a real definition to cleavage. <laughs> we get a cut to the dance where she is very drunkenly hanging on him. And giving him a hand job on the dance floor. She's grabbing his dick. I don't know if it's necessarily giving him a hand job. I think the indication is that she is giving him I don't a think job. it's the most comfortable thing in the world for him. Oh no, not at all. Yeah. Uh-huh. He they, But she's just like desperately at grabbing them. at him and hanging off of him and everyone's looking. She's like, What the fuck are you looking at? And Until get- like the principal or somebody catches them and kicks them out. Kicks them out. Get out of here. And so they then Go to have sex in the car. And he comes and he says, when I said don't do it here, I meant off the school premises. Yes. <laughs> you want to do that sort of a thing, I suggest you go somewhere else. When I said go somewhere else, I meant off school property. It's a fun contrast because it goes from them dancing on the floor to Lola and Brent dancing. And he has to stand in place. With his feet. Because his feet are nailed are to the ground. <laughs> they both have knives that have been hammered into his feet. And she's forcing him to not dance, but rock back and yeah, forth. Yeah, uh-huh. And this is when she discovers that it has always been daddy that she's really wanted. Yeah, because he's not good enough. It's not going to work. This is another one that's failed. And yeah, so she starts dancing with her daddy and tells him that, how can I find another man when you've always been the one? Yes. And you think something's going to happen. Like, holy shit. And he sits down because he realizes he left his razor blade. It fell on the chair and he needs to hide it from them. So he plops down into the chair and they're like, what the fuck? Right as they're, like, gonna kiss. As they're about to kiss, yes. And so he sits down to cover the razor blade, and that snaps them out of their reverie, and they decide it's time to feed them, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So this is where they move the couch, they open the trap door and the floor, and we see that all the previous victims that survived are are in the basement, people under the stairs style. Yes. Uh, Except there are no stairs here, it's just a pit. Yes. With a hole in the center of the roof of this pit. And that's where they're going to throw the roadkill. 
Yes, to that feed is the them. food that they give them. Uh-huh. And they make them, she makes them sing for their supper, and they all like can only screech because they've done the same thing to all of them with the bleach. Yeah, with the boiling water. And so then she is going to do the drill through the skull, which is the picture on the cover or the poster yeah where she has the drill daddy's gonna let her try she's gonna do it for the first time and so she starts to drill and here's the thing his brain might not have ever been touched by that drill but it definitely makes its way through his skull how thick is a skull it's not that thick a lot of what makes a skull great is its shape like an egg an egg is really really weak but, like, if you put pressure on it, it, it disperses pressure uh, across the whole surface. That's why it's, like, rounded like that. Like, it's really cool. But it's not that thick. Like, you hear it break through. And it almost certainly broke the membrane that's there in between the brain and the skull. He would be losing pressure in his skull really, really fast. He wouldn't have been able to keep blood in his brain. He would have bled so goddamn much. So that you would just, kill you? You're just going to have to accept it. So that, But that would kill you. Likely with the scenario that happens afterwards and all the stuff he's doing, he would have passed out and probably died from blood loss. No, no blood getting to his brain or staying in his brain. Because, that yeah, sucks. that's leaking out everywhere. But it's, a, it's just a concession that you're going to have to make that they went a little bit far on the sound effect. Let's just assume it cracked his skull. And it didn't actually pierce any membranes or anything like that. Because he does specifically tell her just enough to to break the skull. Yes. And then they're going to pour the boiling water in. And when they're trying to do that, she accidentally spills some on Daddy, who's holding his head in place, and he freaks out. She asks him to make it bigger. Uh Uh-huh. And so he does. He drills the hole even bigger. But that gives Brent the time he needs to undo his restraints. And then he bursts up. Takes the knives out of his own feet and stabs daddy with them. In the neck, repeatedly. And he falls to the ground, seemingly still alive, but certainly dying. Dying. And he punches Lola, and you think he knocks her out, but he doesn't. Yeah. And he throws daddy into the pit, who is very quickly eaten. Yes. By the people under the stairs. Uh Uh-huh. And as he's watching that... He gets tossed in. He gets hit or something like that and tossed in by Lola, who has gotten back up. And And now he's in this pit with these people under the stairs. Now, here's the problem with this. Yes, it introduces another problem that where if you ask questions, it kind of falls apart. Mm -hmm. That question is, why didn't any of these people under the stairs attack each other? If they attack anyone indiscriminately, why is it that everyone who's gone down there subsequently didn't also get attacked by them? Because Brent is put in a situation where he is forced to kill all three or maybe four of them under the stairs. Can't remember. We didn't see enough people in the photo album, I don't think, to account for all the people, all the that, people are down that are down there. here. Yeah. But he ends up killing every single one of them. But he's trapped down there. So, But the question is, if he was forced to kill them... Because they were going to kill him, why isn't there only one down there mm-hmm. alive? Because mm-hmm. if they recognize their own kind, why wouldn't they have recognized him? Mm-hmm. So either one or the other. They attack anyone or they recognize their own kind and don't attack. Yeah, what the heck? Yeah, so, but you're just going to have to accept it. It's small concessions we're asking for here. <laughs> it doesn't matter. These guys don't live long anyway. He ends up killing them all. And Lola tells him, I am going to kill your mom. 
and I'm going to kill your girlfriend. I'm going to stab your mom in the neck like you stabbed my dad, and I'm going to stab your girlfriend in the heart just like you stabbed me in the heart, is what she tells him. And then she leaves, and he's stuck down there. It's not until he sees the pile of bones from all the uh, roadkill and everything that they've eaten that he realizes he can stack some things up. Yeah, it, well, okay. So the reason she opens the door back up, because she does close him in there. Uh-huh. The reason she opens it back up is because she kills the, the sheriff. Because Oh, yeah, the sheriff shows up. Because I forgot about that. Holly, his girlfriend, remembers that her boyfriend told her earlier, hey, this weird thing happened to me. Lola asked me to the dance. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And she's like, she finally remembers this and goes and tells the sheriff this in the middle of the night. So the sheriff immediately goes out to check on it, and Lola immediately proceeds to murder him. Uh-huh. And so she pushes him into her pit of people. And then people, he grabs the gun. Grabs the gun and wastes all the bullets. Uh-huh. But as Chris points out, he's probably not in his right fucking mind. <laughs> but then why does she leave the door open? You could say it's her arrogance, but... I don't take Lola as the type to just take chances. I think she's just really angry, especially now that the cop showed up and she's, she's, I need to, I'm going to kill fucking, like she ends up walking down the middle of the street after this. She is not in her right mind either. That is a good point. Yes. But so, yes, Brent makes a pile of bodies and is able to escape, which is good. Because Lola is going after his girlfriend, who just happens to be driving down the same road that Lola is walking down the middle of it. Okay, here's another thing. So first, there's a few notes I have here. She smothers Bright Eyes with a pillow. Mm-hmm. Before she leaves. find out it's her mom. Yeah, and calls her she mommy. She says, good night, mommy. Yes, but. It's the name of another horror movie. But. Which is another, like, isn't it like, is it Australian? I don't know. Or is it New Zealand? No, it's not. It's neither. It's like Swedish or something. German. But she is a lobotomy victim who is then smothered with a pillow. You either know what I'm talking about or I will spoil another fantastic movie for you. So I'm not going to tell you specifically. Yes. Um, And it's very it's shot very similarly. Oh, yeah. uh Uh-huh. Also, the sheriff doesn't call it in. When he's investigating, yeah, no. I'm like, call it in first, you dingleberry. Yeah. He doesn't call it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, here's here's I bring up all these notes because I have a note for this. When Holly runs into Lola, Lola's walking down the street. And singing. Yeah. Am I not pretty enough? Is my heart broken? Do I cry too much? Am I too outspoken? Don't I make you love? Should I try harder? Why do you see right through me? She's walking down the street and Holly is driving from behind, which doesn't make any sense. If she's going to Lola's place, why would she be coming from the same direction that Lola is coming from when Lola just came from Lola's place? Well, no, because Lola came this way 
and then turned on the road this way. She was coming up this way, so maybe she would have had to turn that but way. But she didn't. She ends up passing the place where Lola was. Well, because there wasn't a road there. Lola came up from, like, a field. Maybe. May You might have convinced me, but I was like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, yes, she... Why Lola is going this way, I don't know. Yeah, wouldn't she be headed back to town? But as you said, Lola is not in her right mind, yeah, uh -huh. is she? And maybe she's not very good at directions. <laughs> I'm not good at directions. How does she stop Holly's car? She throws her album at, at Holly's car. Uh -huh. And Holly just throws on the brakes. And she's like, what the fuck was that? And then, and then Lola jumps in the car. And attacks her, and mm -hmm. there's this whole scene where it's the two of them that are fighting, which is really great. Yes, and it feels like a cat fight, even though it's like this murderous woman. Yes. <laughs> and it's really fun, and like, there's just all these... There's so many allusions to, like, teen dramas with Lola's character, and if you know me, I love that shit, and... yeah. It's just, it's a great contrast. I appreciate it immensely. So, Brent, who has taken the sheriff's car keys... And driving his car swerves to miss his girlfriend. <laughs> and hits Lola on accident. By the way, this is the first time he's driven a car since his dad died in a car accident when he was driving. And he hits another person. Yes. And Holly gets in the car, and they both realize... Lola is still alive. She is like, she has a knife in her hand and she's dragging herself on her elbows. And I'm like, oh man, how did they fake that? And it reminded <laughs> me a lot of Freaks, which I don't think you've seen. So I don't want to spoil anything, but it reminded me a lot of Freaks. Like the 20s mm -hmm. movie? Yeah, no, I haven't. Mm -hmm. But the dude that walks on his hands? Kind of. I don't want to spoil anything. Okay, all right. But so they see this. And what is his, what is his awesome plan? He puts the car in reverse and backs up. And we see from her perspective, the car backing up right towards her. Then we see the camera, which is maybe from the car's perspective, headed towards her. So we're looking at her face in slow-mo as the camera gets closer and closer and closer. It, it, this moment makes me shiver with anticipation. <laughs> Because it takes forever for her to actually get hit by the car. And you know it's coming. Yes. Until suddenly it cuts and we see a shot of, boom, her head getting smashed by the rear bumper of the car. Yes. And it is great and it is a wonderful comeuppance for this awful, awful human being. Uh-huh. But then they decide to go to his mom's house and they just have this loving embrace. And I'm sitting here thinking, that man needs to go to the hospital yes, stat. Uh -huh. He has a fresh hole in his brain. <laughs> Another movie where somebody gets drilled in the skull. We just watched The Host. Yes. Mm -hmm. But this movie is somehow, despite all of the horrible torture... It's a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> and there are humorous moments and just the juxtaposition of this girl with a crush. Because it it just felt so real because girls, you know, especially yeah. girls who love horror movies, like, 
you know, you you imagine these scenarios with these guys who are mean to you. But that's the problem here is yes. that this guy's actually extremely nice, even uh-huh. when he turns her down. He says, I'm, I'm already going with Holly. He even apologizes, and there's yeah. no reason for him to. All you have to say is, I'm going with somebody. But he takes the time to say, I am sorry about that. Uh-huh. And he's a great guy. Yeah. We really like him. <laughs> it's, it's, it. There is a real quality to it as long as, as well as being this crazy torture movie. Yeah, there's like this foundation of real character work and emotion that is very relatable and understandable and that you can empathize or at least sympathize with. And then the house they build on top of that is like this fun horror movie. Yes. I really like I like it a lot. I think I liked it just as much as the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Even though I already knew everything that was going on. Yes, and you if you don't like that we brushed over the shit that she does to him, watch it. Yeah. Watch mm-hmm. it for yourself. So with that in mind, Kelsey, what do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I imagine it's relatively high. I'm going to say 81. Try 98. Holy shit. Successfully mixing the conventions of the teen and horror genres with a twist... Australian director Sean Byrne makes a striking directorial debut with The Loved Ones. Has a Metacritic of 73, so the actual average rating was 73. Do you think this is overrated or underrated? I'm going to say that's a little high. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm going to give it a pretty high score, I would say. I'm going to give it an 86. Yeah, I was going to give it high 80s. I'll give it an 88. I think it's that good. I mean, it it is a movie full of... Torture, which we don't like. Yeah, and we we overlook that because of how much we enjoy it. And it doesn't, like, somehow it makes it work for us, which we freely admit. Like, we don't have anything necessarily against torture porn. It's it just is not just for not for us. And so recognizing that it's not for us, we still really liked this movie in spite of it. But it is, it is there. If it didn't have that, I don't know how we would have felt about it. But, yeah, I, I'd say... 88 for me. They somehow took a genre I do not like and it made me not only entertain the entire time, but enjoy myself for most yeah. of it. <laughs> I mean, it, I can understand how such a high percentage of people walked away with a positive feeling about this movie. If even we did. And such a high positive feeling about the movie. So that I get. I get how it has a 98. I would say that the average metacritic score of 73 is low the performances are great the injection of humor is perfect it's not too much and it's not too little yeah yeah it's good i like it a lot all right that is 2009's the loved ones thus ending this australia week thank you craig very much for recommending these movies what are we watching next week, Kelsey? Next week is a double feature. The late night double feature, feature show. Oh, yeah. And it's in celebration of... Graduation. Graduation. We will be watching The House on Sorority Row. Woo woo. From 1982. Along with Sorority Row. You know what year that is from. 2009, same year as The Loved Ones. Oh, yeah. 
All right, so we're watching sorority horror movies. Yes. This is different from The Haunting on Sorority Row, which has also been recommended. Yes. Uh, don't worry. There I'm is sure we'll get to those. Also, <laughs> I think The Haunting of Fraternity House or something. I think I've watched that, and I think I tweeted about it as I watched it. Yeah. Something like that. But we saw this a very long time ago. Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. I do remember the beginning. I do not remember anything about, like, what happens. But I do remember the premise. It is a prank gone wrong. Shocker, I know. Yeah, I have here. After a seemingly innocent prank goes horribly wrong, a group of sorority sisters are stalked and murdered one by one in their sorority house while throwing a party to celebrate their graduation. Yes. I don't think I've ever seen the remake, though. We'll see. We'll see how it is. Mm -hmm. That is next week. Until then, you can always find us on our website, podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Pod Cemetery, where we just post tons of shit. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there, but even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Look out for the picky wiggies. Am I not pretty enough? Is my This moment makes me shiver with antissa. Hello, my heap hurt. Last year, more than eight hundred thousand kangaroos and wobblies were <laughs> wobblies. <laughs> um, um, okay? Fucking kangaroos. WTF, mate? You can come. <laughs> but I am late tired. <laughs> Okay, then have a nap. <laughs> but then fire the missiles. Fire the missiles. <laughs> what are the war's motivations here? <laughs> I would like to know. <laughs> There's this meme online where it's all these things that Americans are dicks about. like Oh, yeah, how we still use the imperial measurement system. And, and Fahrenheit yeah. and stuff like that. We say, the rest of the world says this, and we say no. And then the very, very end, it says, drive on the right side of the road. And we say, hell yeah! <laughs> and Britain says, wait! <laughs> he was in Fury. What the fuck is Fury? The tank movie with Brad Pitt.
Nope. Seriously? Nope. It has um, Shia LaBeouf. Really? Yeah. No. No idea what that Michael is. Pena. No, John Bernthal is in that movie. Who's John Bernthal? Punisher. Oh. Yeah. Jason Isaacs. Uh, really? Yes. Jesus, yeah, uh-huh. that's a stacked cast. Yeah, no, it was a big movie. That's why I'm like, I don't understand why What's it called? you don't know. Fury. Fury. Nope. It's the name of the tank, I think. No knowledge whatsoever. It's a David Ayer movie. What the fuck is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> this is going to go so deep. David Ayer did. Uh, he wrote a lot of things, but he did. um Suicide Squad, End of Watch. I liked Suicide Squads. Shame what they said about that movie. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the villain sucked, but other than that, it was great. But yeah, he's more a writer than anything. But he he directed Bright. Ooh. He, he directed the Suicide Squad. Yeah, End of Watch. Street Everybody loves Kings. End of Watch. Yeah, the tax collector. Don't know what that is. But so. To get himself out of knots, uh, I mean, out of tied up, being tied up. But when it actually, when he actually, but. Am I not pretty enough? <laughs> We're not there yet. She abs- ac- she accidentally. Patient. 